0: Hello Woodlane community, this is Pastor Brian and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast episode 078. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, as the hours until Christmas morning quickly tick away, it often feels like the chaos builds up. Not only are we running out of shopping time, but the calendar is overflowing with parties, get-togethers, shindigs, and other various things that, while good, eat into very precious time. Sometimes the chaos of life is far bigger than a packed to-do list or a looming deadline. Sometimes chaos comes in the form of life and death situations. How do we survive or maybe even find joy in the midst of such chaos? Some of the Christmas story characters give us a clue today. Check it out. So, 10 more wake-ups until Christmas. You got everything ready? All set? You know, we survived prepping for the holiday party, so uh, for the open house, so I'm guessing there has to be some kind of hope. But if Black Friday was only one day, then mall parking lots certainly did not get the memo, did they? Thank God for Amazon Smile. Sometimes maybe Christmas joy comes in the idea that the Christmas chaos has finally ended. Sometimes chaos is not just a seasonal thing. It's not just about Finishing the shopping list or getting all all the to-dos to done. (laughs) But the chaos gets very real world. Stuff that does not end just because a certain day on the calendar has been reached. The bill that does not go away just because the due date has come. The diagnosis that does not change because you prayed you would wake up from a nightmare. The relationship that has not healed because of one Christmas card. The good news, the great joy, is that Christmas and its story is not nostalgia. It gives us something very real to hang on to when it seems like everything around us is this moving target that we cannot hit. As we see, opening up probably one of the more famous Christmas passages in Luke 2. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. So much of the Christmas story seems understated as we were talking about over the last couple of weeks. Mary, Joseph, Bethlehem, cow stables, certainly not headliner characters in a story that is so epic as the Christmas story. And yet it seems like God overcompensates for all those no-namers that he put in the story with one verse. And God brings down everything he has got. The angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. I mean, this is on par with after Jesus is born. And Jesus takes his closest disciples and he takes them up the mountain. Say, all right, guys, Just among us, just the four of us here, I'm going to show you what I'm really all about. And Peter, James, and John get to see the full glory of Christ in the transfiguration. It's on par with that. And understandably, these shepherds, whom we don't even know their names, fitting into that understated story, are terrified. Chaos ensues. As this scene is enveloping all around them, and the story gets universal really quick. So, how do these no name, everyday Joes get through? Let's find out. In verse 10, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah the Lord. Fear not, God is at work. So these shepherds are probably just outside of Jerusalem doing what they do, which was not normally where shepherds would be. They were kind of this outcast occupation. They would do their stuff out in the wilderness, away from society. So this group is probably raising sacrificial lambs for the temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. Maybe even sacrificing Passover lamb, raising Passover lambs to eventually be sacrificed. Being so close to the religious capital of Judaism at the time, they probably get or have heard the stories of the promises that God makes for sending a Savior. They get the idea of sin and sacrifice and offering because their animals, their livestock are going to that very purpose just a couple miles down the road. And they may not get the connection that the one they're hearing about is the once and done Passover lamb. But they know the promise is there. And eventually they start to see God is at work. In verse 12, this will be a sign for you. Another way they survive the chaos you will find a baby wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in the manger. God doesn't leave them hanging. God gives them a sign. This is what you're going to look for. Look for a baby wrapped in a cloth, lying in the manger. And when we run into chaos, when we are trying to experience Christmas joy and yet all the chaos of the stuff left to do kind of is what envelops us, we get those signs too. Not just limited to the Christmas story. Maybe even if it's just a sign that God is still there Maybe we see it in looking outside and seeing God's beauty. Maybe even God's beauty in the snow, if you want to stretch it a little bit. Maybe we see that sign, that reminder, maybe we think of it that way, in seeing a person be kind to another person. Even if it's just, you know, you're at Wegmans halfway down the parking lot and you see up at the door, you see somebody Okay, Wegmans doesn't work because they have the automatic doors, but someplace that you have to actually hold a door open for somebody. Picture that. And maybe from 100 feet away, you see somebody hold the door open for somebody. You hang on to that. Maybe you think about and remember the blessings that you do have. Having a family of five, we have plenty of, I mean, laundry for us can be a full-time job. I admit I am not always Johnny on the spot with it do my best, but sometimes pile becomes piles. But you know what? Piles of dirty clothes mean we have clothes. Go downstairs to Common Threads on a Saturday morning, and you may meet people who would love to have enough clothes to have a pile of dirty ones. Look for those little blessings. God doesn't leave them hanging even further. Then suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. What else do they do? They follow. Now let us go. They don't worry about the 10-year plan because, think about it, if they worried about how this is all going to play out across the next 10 years, that may mentally create even more chaos than they just experience having angels surrounding them with the full-on glory of God. But how do you get up a mountain when you are dead beat, exhausted? Right foot, left foot. How do you get to the finish line of an ultra-marathon? Right foot, left foot. How do you get through a health battle that seems to maybe go on even for years? Right foot, left foot. You guys are getting it. Over the last week or so, when I, as I've been talking to Cindy, as her battle has kind of come to its epic climax, it's this theme that she has had as we've talked, even in the setbacks, one day at a time. Another euphemism for right foot left foot. They take one step. Hang on to this. Even if, even if all you get is right foot, left foot, that'll, that'll work. But don't, don't try to solve all the chaos at once. The shepherds and all they experienced were probably overwhelmed, probably terrified, even though the angel said, don't be afraid. And they just went right foot, left foot. Repeat. So they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. What else do they do to get through the chaos? They share. Don't go through chaos alone. God wired us to have community. You know, God is the perfect image of community and love in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If we are created in that image... In the image of that God, there's a, way, a place we are wired for community, not to walk through things alone. Now, it may seem selfish to ask for help among the community, but there's a place where we're called to do that. As Paul writes, to a community, in, Galatia, in Galatians 6:2, he says, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's a place where we're called to walk with each other and sometimes when one of us is down, we pick pick each other up. We carry the pack for somebody up that mountain that seems so monstrous. But think of it as well. When you are sharing maybe something you're going through or how God has gotten you through it, think about what that sounds like from the hearer's perspective. And all who heard it, were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Now Mary got her own angel visit. You're going to have a child, you're going to name him Emmanuel, he's going to save people from their sins. Joseph got his angel visit. What's going on with Mary? Joe, it's all cool. Stay with her. I got this. Signed, God. If I heard from an angel, that's going to completely wreck the scale on every human interaction I ever have from that moment on. Okay, Nothing anybody says is going to make an impact on me if I heard from an angel of the Lord. Sorry, Pastor Bill. And yet these no-name shepherds amaze Mary. Figure that out. And no doubt, their words encourage her as well. Because not long from now, Mary and Joseph are going to take Jesus up to the temple. Firstborn was offered at the temple, Jewish ritual, and they're going to meet the prophet Simeon. And Simeon is going to bust Mary's Christmas joy big time and say, this is not going to be easy for you. Here's how this is going to play out when the Christmas honeymoon is over. I have no doubt the shepherd's words, these no-namer words, encouraged her. To be able to get through it. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What else do they do? They praise. I gotta guess, as the shepherds are leaving the manger and they're going back to their pasture, they're asking themselves one question Did that just happen? You get to the top of a mountain. And I will say this out of experience, doing a whole lot of right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And you get to the top of the mountain and you look down and you're like, did I just climb that? Yeah. See, God has this way throughout his story of giving big tasks to people, big time callings. But he only gives them the first step. And understandably, and I have been guilty of this until I really thought of it from this perspective not too long ago. I've been guilty of thinking, God, that would drive me nuts. I want to know the 10-year plan. I want to know how the next 15 steps of this are going to play out. But God only gives us one. But I'm starting to think, maybe God is smarter than me. And maybe God knows one step is all I can handle. And I can universalize I in that idea. Because, you know, oftentimes when we're in the midst of chaos, we start to lose the forest for the trees. You know, we start to lose the big picture. And sometimes maybe that's not a bad thing because seeing the forest, seeing the big picture would really freak us out. Like looking at the mountain and saying, I'm going to get to the top of that. And all we can focus on amongst all that mind freak going on is the step right in front of us. Right foot Left foot, right foot, left foot. And eventually enough of that gets us to the top of the mountain. When God calls Abraham, calls Abram at the time, he gives him one step, go. When God talks to Moses, gives him a pretty big task. He's going to say, you know, lead my people to the promised land. He says, go have one conversation. Joshua. The guy who he's gonna to call to take over the promised land, if filling Moses' sandals is not a big enough job, he gives him one step, cross the river. The Great Commission, Jesus' last words to his chosen clan, seems like such a big thing. I mean, Jesus is leaving, he's got like 30 seconds left before he's off back up to heaven. What's he gonna tell his people? Go and make disciples. Where? Follow how he says it. In Jerusalem, right where you are, then when you got Jerusalem on lock, go to Judea, your county. Once you got Judea on lock, go to Samaria. Once you got Samaria, go to the world. He doesn't say, go and make disciples in the world. He says, go and make them here, then here, then here, then here. Right foot, left foot. So this week, your next steps that I'm going to give you, it's actually in your bulletin. There's a prayer that I want you to rehearse this week. Now, there's nothing magical to the words. You can tweak them. You can make them your own. The idea is that it's simple. Rehearse it in peacetime so that when the chaos comes, notice I'm saying when the chaos comes, you kind of already have it in your back pocket ready to go. Practice that, review it so that your joy that this Christmas season is all about, that goes beyond just this next 10 days, so that your joy in Christ might be unbreakable. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 AM. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.